welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice. This episode of Mad in the Family focuses on a non-drug method to bring out the best in challenging children, particularly those with a diagnosis of ADHD. It is called the Nurtured Heart Approach, and our guest is the approach's creator, family therapist Howard Glasser, M.A. Howard has been called one of the most influential living persons working to reduce children's reliance on psychiatric medications and is the author of the best-selling book, Transforming the Difficult Child. Howard is also the founder of the Children's Success Foundation, whose mission is to advance the work of the Nurtured Heart Approach by conducting training programs to support parents in building inner wealth in their children, educators in formally implementing the approach in school systems, and therapeutic professionals to meet the unique mental health needs of intense children. A frequent keynote speaker at conferences on treatment and education, Howard Glasser currently teaches certification trainings on his method, as well as in Dr. Andrew Weil's program at the University of Arizona School of Integrated Medicine. Welcome. Can you give us a bit of background on your life and career trajectory as a family therapist and how the Nurtured Heart approach evolved out of this work? When and, and why did you develop it? Absolutely. So I... Um... I was a student of psych- a clinical psychology, and um, and probably the best way I could explain how this evolved in my life because I wasn't planning on developing an approach to or working even working with children. Um, um, I dropped out of um, a great grad program, um, and. It to uh, at the point of dissertation to do my childhood dream of woodworking. I did that. <laughs> thought I would do it for a year. It turned into 15 years. And uh, when I went back, I, w- I got a job as a um, family therapist in a family clinic with families who were right in the uh, middle of struggles with children. And um, uh, they were looking for answers, and I was looking to help them. I was earnest, and I was uh, dusting off everything I had studied in grad school. Unlike when I was in grad school, to explain myself, um, I was diligent to loyal to uh, every last program, every last philosophy, every last uh, innovative person who I studied and did internships around um, trying them on for size. But in this situation, I was in the real life and I was uh, in my earnestness when something didn't work, I was able to see through that and I um, dropped it away and made room for, okay, I'm going to try the next one. I'll move from one methodology uh, set of beliefs to the next. And at some point soon, within months, I was out of philosophies. <laughs> I was out of techniques. I was out of methodologies. And, and you know, it's going to sound like Seinfeld. I had nothing other than um, some keen ability to be with that family and that child and probably because I was a challenging child, 
I was able to see almost through to the level of energy of interaction when parents would say something, most of the time unbeknownst to them, they'd say something to the child and sometimes the child would lean in, sometimes the child would, you know, um, you know, um, vacate the premises. There was a, there was an intersection of engagement that was really interesting to me. And as you know, I, uh, I mentioned, I wasn't out to devise a methodology. Um, it kind of devised me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with um, notions, metaphoric ways of sharing what I was witnessing and trying to, of course, get people to say things on, on behalf of wellness that would engage a child, that would, that would bring people together. And over time, those um, random metaphors turned out to have, you know, oftentimes I'd see somebody perk up and go, oh, that makes sense, of course. And, and I'd see the, we'd see the child respond. And so it had a life of its own over time these random pieces of the puzzle started coming together and forming, um, forming something that didn't even have a name for five years. It, you know, it was just a set of premises and contentions and techniques, you know, eventually techniques. And um, then came a period of time when um, uh, other uh, entities were asking me to share what I had because word got out in my community of Tucson. Um, and I objected. I said, no, I, I, it's not shareable. I don't have pre presenting skills. I don't have, I, I wouldn't know how to start sharing it. And frankly, I was embarrassed for the world of psychology because I didn't think it was like, I thought it flew in the face of everything I had ever studied. So, um, Eventually, I owed a favor to a clinic and I shared a presentation and it was, it was um, one of the most annoying days ever in my life. And I went, I'm never, ever going to present again. Uh, somebody tapped me on the shoulder a couple of weeks later in the grocery store and said, hi, I'm Amanda Zarita. I run the, the uh, family division. Um, the a family preservation division of our town family center. And we're all using your method <laughs> and we're having great success. And it was, like, it, was, it was like, okay, what do I do with this? But I, I eventually uh, got inspired and formed a clinic. And then I started teaching people how to do this. It, it, it wasn't uh, my strong suit, but I, um, Eventually, we got a reputation and we got interns and even newbies were able to transport families and see what I was seeing, what I had seen, which is the same intensity that drives people crazy is actually the source of the child's greatness. Right. And that was that was the um, that was exciting uh, to a lot of people, especially when we saw it, when we got kids before pre-medication, we were able to see that uh, the vast majority of times the child never needed medication. So um, it sounds like, let's talk about in, um, in more concrete 
uh, way what you're talking about that you discovered. It sounds almost by trial and error, um, an observation. What is Nurtured Heart Approach 101? What is it? What type of children is it designed to help? And how does it work? Just mm -hmm. kind of break it down uh, 101. It came light, it came into its existence vis-a-vis -vis my work with difficult kids, purely and simply. I didn't see beyond that for the longest time. It, it, it is now being used in lots of areas beyond that. But uh, the, the thumbnail on the Nurtured Heart approach is that um, uh, it, it mediates the energy underneath what we think we're saying. So uh, I'm going to give you an example, and then I'll come back and explain Nurture Heart 101. Um, it seems like one thing we have in common as uh, adults and parents uh, and providers um, that educators included, um, that we want kids to be respectful. And it turns out that we're busy people. You know, we're running around and, you know, when kids are being respectful, we might notice it. We might pause momentarily, but typically conventional, you know, typically, you know, we say thank you, good job, some form of approval, some muted sense of approval or we say nothing however, yeah. or we say nothing we miss it and however it's seemingly we're never too busy for a problem when a problem occurs it grabs us by the you know the the uh the shirt tails you know we're we're alive we're present we lean in we show up we have so many we have a, a cultural belief that lessons the best taught in the midst of the problems so it, we, we tend to um, reserve our lectures and our reprimands and our sermons and our, our, our urgencies for when uh, issues are coming. Some kids who are intense, you know, I, I, I will say this about intensity, um, that we, we all, we wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning if we didn't have life force, if we didn't have intensity. Some kids are born with more than others. Some kids derive that by way of circumstances, emotional you know, conflicts in their myths or in their neighborhood or, or what have you. It almost doesn't matter. There are some kids who are higher on that quotient and they seem to be consistently needing more relationship. The more intense the child, the more they desire connectivity. Hmm. And, and some kids, just by way of being in the world, inadvertently discover that they get more connection, greater connectivity, better broadband. Nobody wants dial-up anymore. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, we all want, you know, next levels of connectivity. They, they, um, re they, they read energy like Braille and they find that they get better connectivity vis-a-vis -vis negativity and uh, as opposed to when things are going right. So um, nurtured heart approach, it's an approach to turning around that 
um, where we get very deliberate, intentional, purposeful. We're not going to give energy when things go wrong. That's stand one. Stand three um, uh, is here are my lines of demarcation. When I get clear that that's crossing a line, I'm going to reset that child. I'm going to unplug me. I'm going to I am going to wait till the next moment when that problem isn't happening, you know, which might be a second later, might be two. The child, you know, you're having a discussion or you're asking a child for um, uh, some level of cooperation. The child goes, oh, rolls your eyes or says uh, whatever. And, you know, which might, you know, let's say it's worse and it crosses a line. Parents says reset. They turn, they unplug them. They reset themselves hmm. if needed, you know, to get back to equanimity. And then in the truth of the moment, because the truth of the moment is line crossed. It might, you know, the child might look ticked off, but maybe they, maybe they didn't get nasty. Maybe they didn't cross the line. Then I'm going to be in stand two, which is I am going to be very deliberate, purposeful, intentional in, um, in calling a child out, confronting them with their success. I saw you look, you know, Miranda, I saw you look like you were gonna get snarky and you didn't. That shows me your wisdom. That shows me you care about our family rules. That shows me you care about us human beings. That shows me you are being respectful. You're being kind. That was an act of kindness. Could even say, and you know what? How not great would it be if you got snarky? So therefore, how great is it that you aren't being snarky? So that's where I play hardball. That's where I like roam the territory of truthfulness. What's the truth of this moment? And and take advantage. And uh, that in a nutshell is nurtured heart approach is it's a methodology of taking stands to create a resolute new, milieu how do we refine what we're saying to inspire in an energetically congruent way i was going to say i'm hearing a lot about both structure and relationships are there psychology traditions that nurtured heart builds on like where does it um intersect and where does it diverge um that's a great question and i i not to my knowledge am i you know, building on anything in particular. I I feel like I'm more building on my own personal spiritual traditions. If there is anything, you know, um, about seeing the greatness in another being and seeing the beauty in another being, um, you know, some of it comes from, you know, living on an ashram when I was in my twenties or, or, uh, you know, um, just being, you know, having studied psychology, I'm sure there's information from any number of people that have filtered in. I mean, I studied, I studied a very traditional uh, clinical psychology. You know, I am not a clinical psychology psychologist because I did not graduate my PhD at that level, but I actually studied with people who directly study with Jung and Freud and mm. I'm that old. And, and um, you know, I certainly um, bathed in that atmosphere for a couple of years. And 
Um, my work in social milieus was at Postgraduate Center for Mental Health, which I, I don't think exists any longer, but it was, a, it was actually like um, one of two psyche, uh, psychoanalytic centers in, in New York. And, and my mentors back then were two well-known um, psychoanalysts, so one in England and one in, in New York. So, um, you know, I am sure, you know, uh, there are pieces, but, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss to be able to um, be explicit there, even though I'd love to. Yeah. Well, um, we can get at it more from talking more about the specifics of, of Nurtured Heart. Like, I'm hearing a lot about positive reinforcement, which kind of sounds like behaviorism 101. But so the three, right. the three stands, can you kind of articulate that a little better in terms of like, if I'm a parent or, I mean, I, I gather that this initially started out to be a tool for parents, but that it's expanded. So I'm a parent and I have yeah. a kid. My kid runs around like a maniac. He never listens. He's very impulsive. This mm -hmm. is an imaginary child that I'm drawing, but um, I can't get him to to behave in any way, shape, or form, and he has tantrums and so on. Um, and so I'm a parent, and, and I've brought my child to you, and please help. And you tell me about the three stands. So, like, what am I supposed to do, doctor? Yeah, and, and you know, um, Marant, that's, that's so perfect a question because I, I don't, like to identify with behaviorism or mm -hmm. behavioral uh, interventions because we are so much more than an M and M. We're so much more than just reinforcement. We we if we if it dawns on us that it's us, it's relationship, it's our our way of showing up, our level of showing up. That's the gift. It, it changes everything. So mm. a, a behavioral a, a behavioral premise is ignoring. So in in um, in the normal cadence of behavioral intervention, a parent has a, a two year old that's annoyingly tantruming, and you know, and they um, insistently you know follow the advice and they ignore and they. Um, but the pattern persists and the child tends to, especially if it's a kid hungry for a relationship, which we all are, it's a, it's a continuum, we all want connectivity. Um, that child might, if it's a kid who has seen in the past that if they, if they uh, tantrum loud enough, if they tantrum long enough, that there's going to be some caving in they will actually adapt to ignoring and up their game. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have thrown the towel. In this method, the difference is it, it, it's a really relies on a belief, a core belief in the greatness of a child. So, and, and being in the truth of the moment, reality at the level of energy. So uh, in this method, if a kid's tantruming, I am not going to ignore. I am going to say, I'm going to say reset. I then will not ignore my feelings. Let's say I'm annoyed because it's been interruptive. I'm going to, I'm going to unplug me, no gift of me. It's like the, you know, no super you. I, I'm going to pull the plug on me. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to reset. Yeah, I'm mad. Uh, 
I'm going to use the energy to get back to, you know, where I need to be. As soon as the child, it might be three seconds or 30 seconds later, but in the truth of the moment, as soon as the child stops tantruming, that's what I want to jump in on. So I'm not going to ignore that either. I'm going to jump in and say, I don't know how you did that. You were really mad at not getting an extra helping and you are, might still be mad, but you're not tantruming now. And you are using your control and you are using your power because I'm not making you not tantrum. You're making this choice. Great choice. I see that greatness of wisdom in you. And I, my investment is an inner wealth. That's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting to build this abiding more than self-confidence, more than self-esteem. I'm, I'm, I believe every human being could be a billionaire of inner wealth. And, and uh, parents, you know, who make it that their mission to build and build and build and build and not just behavior management wants to contain and you know like isolated uh annoying instances and then get on with their business you know a teacher in a classroom who's using behavior management you know will will quell the fire but then get back to curriculum i want to encourage and inspire a, that teacher to see this as part and parcel of their mission that they are going to kind of left foot, right foot with curriculum and they're going to make it their mission. I'm going to build in our wealth. I've said, I want to do that. Character counts. I I've said that I want to, you know, um, that's what got me into education. Let me do it. So let me pause my curriculum now and then turns out the kids who gain inner wealth lean into curriculum better. They learn at a higher clip. They need less remediative stuff, you know, and they, and they accomplish more. We've had lots of schools measure that. And, you know, the gains in, in academics is strong. So even these vis-a-vis Zoom, which is, you know, um, same, same thing. You know, it's like us pausing here and saying, hold on, wait a minute. Miranda, I got to tell you, your questions are stunning. Your questions have an aliveness. You're, you're not, um, you're very present. You're listening so well and you, uh, it reveals how much you care. It, it, you know, on, on behalf of Mad in America, on behalf of, you know, the, the, the quality of this interview, on behalf of you as a human being, you convey a caring in the style of interviewing. And, and that means a lot to me. I, that's greatness I see in you. Wow. I mean, when I hear that, it feels great. And I imagine being a small child, that would feel great. But um, it's almost distracting because you don't expect to hear something not only so positive at an unexpected time, but so specific. I, I, mm-hmm. So experiencing that myself, because you sort of did it to me, so to speak, um, it was very specific and very present, yes. And so it seems genuine. It's not just like you're laying on the um, the compliments that might seem insincere, but it, it it's very specific. And it's a lot more than yeah. good job. It's a lot more than uh, way to go or uh, thank you very much. Because you know you may you may I I might say good job and you don't even know what I'm referring to. And it and and my purpose that I hopefully comes through as genuine because 
you know, kids, kids are, you know, have radar for BS. They, you know, they, they, uh, you know, I think, I think our hearts have a voice and that uh, we have this exquisite ability to have our hearts see the greatness in other human beings. And I, I feel like um, in contrast to normal behavioral approaches that rely on, on um, the normal range of praise, or even, you know, uh, some advise people to be explicit. This is explicit. I'm going to say this for your listeners, and hopefully it'll make sense. It's almost like on a soul level. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to spark a fire in kids. I want to, I want to have them feel like they've been heard and seen uh, for who they are. So what is inner wealth that you keep mentioning? Yeah, that, that's harder to describe. Um, we, we actually, at the uh, New Mexico State University, we're developing uh, in concert with U- U- University of Arizona, where we're in the final stages of creating an inner wealth survey. Um, <clears throat> what we're trying to create is a measurement so we can assess that very thing before and after eventually um, in treatment programs um, and in education. Um, to me, it's, it's an accruing sense, a growing sense of my value, my meaningfulness, my worth. Um, uh, uh, you know, I don't, it's, not, it's never going to come for challenging kids by giving them pep talks and saying, come on, Billy, you could do it. Um, you know, because Billy, Billy's going to hear that and go, oh, um, apparently I'm not. You know, um, they put two and two together differently. They, they, they read energy differently than we suspect. So, uh, you know, this takes that into account and tries to collaborate with another human being in, uh, you know, taking them, um, leading them to see the truth and beauty of who they are. These are the recognition um, I have a few different methods of recognition that try and take advantage of, of the big picture. I'll give you an example. So uh, one of them flips things on its end and, and uh, you know, it sounds preposterous, but it's like, Miranda, this interview could be going like off sideways. This interview could be you know, we could have a bad vibe, all the things that could be not great. You know, we could be annoying one another. We could be, you know, uh, I, I'm sure you've had interviews that have um, had technology problems that have had um, all other kinds of, um, of uh, interference in them. And, and how not great could any of those things be? You know, we, we quickly navigated our technology and we quickly found like a kind of a, a, a cadence to our interview. So, um, you know, by way of not great, how great is it that this child, you know, uh, who could be yelling, rolling their eyes, saying bad words, annoying, interfe- interrupting, 
how how not great would that be? So therefore, how great is it that they're not breaking the rules? And I like to I like to bring that to the forefront. I like parents. Parents like it's it's like a hiccup moment. But parents who get, or teachers, or treatment professionals who get into seeing the beauty of this, it's almost like they double the playing field of what's available to them, and they could go, Miranda, you, I want to give you credit for navigating all the things that could have gone awry. So you being on top of all those things, and even getting me to wear, you know, uh, earbuds and. And um, and take that risk. You navigated. That's you, all you. You get credit for it. If this went awry, we'd both get credit for it being awful. You know, if this is going well, then you know you deserve. We deserve to get credit for being being prepared, being thoughtful, being diligent, um, being wise. You know, all the all those choices. So I kind of lead kids into like a little ambush mm. of confronting them. You know, I'm a little larcenous. You know, I'm 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 being I'm trying to light a fire. Um, uh, uh, maybe I'm an arsonist. You know, I'm trying to start a fire, and I'm trying to lead them into an evidential moment where it's undeniable, it's irrefutable that they are doing. It's not a question of whether they can or can't be respectful. They are being respectful. They are being responsible. So I take advantage of um, the truth of the moment. I, I hopefully am never BSing anybody. Right. You're not just saying, you're not just flattering them to get the, res the resulting behavior that you want. You're observing and, and being sincere. Um, you talk yeah. a lot about on your website and, and um, things I've seen written about the nurtured heart approach about energy, like... Um, that kids want energy from their parents and their adults in their lives. And, and, but, but it's sort of up to the adults to decide is the energy going to be given towards the positive that the child is doing or the negative. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah. Easy to say, you know, um, uh, you know, I rely on, um, explaining things almost metaphorically so that tumblers click in and the parent goes, oh, that's me. I don't like that. I don't want to be that kind of parent. I want to be the kind of parent who, um, who gives energy. I didn't realize to the extent he's subtle or relating that I was giving energy for negativity. I want, I want to lead folks into that path of discovery where, you know, even if they feel like, you know, I, I've tried everything, you know, um, uh, I've had all the advice in the world. I've read every parenting book. I want to reopen them to the possibility. And sometimes it takes um, an interesting metaphor uh, to, to have it click in and go, oh, I fight for those aha moments. It really is a warrior approach. So I'm playing hardball for those to make a um, even resistant parent, even a resistant 
you know, a tr sometimes treatment professionals and educators are the toughest audience because um, they earnestly have studied, you know, how many, you know, tens of approaches, dozens of approaches, you know, so they have, they, they um, when I had a private practice, um, I got any number of people from psychology and psychiatry in my office because then they had their own challenging childhood and they ran out of steam and nothing they were doing worked, and they'd come to me, but they were still, um, you know, they had a mixed bag of loyalties to so many other approaches. And I, I just would respectfully ask, you know, please put everything you've ever studied aside for the moment. Hmm. And, and just, you know, and then I take them on a journey of energy. Um, you know, so I'll get, I, I, could, I could share two one-minute analogies, uh, metaphors. One is uh, I, I, I rely on the, this one, uh, Toys R Us, that we're, you know, think of how kids are when they get a new toy. They explore it, it to the hilt. Um, if there's a feature they don't like, they reject it <laughs> once they realize it's boring. Um, and then they stick to the ones that are exciting to them. How about us as toys? How many features do we have? <laughs> you know, um, and, 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 and limitless movements and limitless emotions and um, moods. And we're never the same. It, you know, we might think we're frustrated for the 50th time, but it's never exactly the same. We're never the same person. Um, and kids study us, and and they um, they arrive at you know at, you know at a conclusion that that we're infinitely more interesting and exciting when things are going wrong than when things are going right. When things you get are going more right, attention. We're kind of yeah, we're kind of boring, and when things are going wrong, it's not just attention; it's relationship. Mm -hmm. They get the gift of us, and and so the second metaphor is is video games. I I'm not a fan of video games, but I realized at some point um, that uh, you know most of the kids in my practice I'd ever come across are fans of video games. This they don't play to lose; they play to win. They want to go level, 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 level. And I had so many parents say, "Why can't my darn child play? You know, be." you know, concentrate at their chores or concentrate at their schoolwork the way they do on a video game. And, and, and then it started dawning on me, you know, night after night, I wake up at 3 a.m. and I went, oh, that's a perfect analogy. Video games have a metabolism. They have a, they have a relational formation that makes them compelling and captivating. And, um, uh, here I, I'm. Here I am playing one of these games right now. I'm a kid, and what, when I'm gaining ground, when I'm going toward the goal, when I'm getting the goal, the game's confronting me with my success. Score energetically, score, 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 bells and whistles, whatever. And 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 as soon as I cross a line and do something not okay. You know, the game never looks the other way, says, oh, Miranda, we're going to give you a second chance or, oh, Miranda, you know, uh, we'll forgive you this time. You're having a good day or we don't want to break your momentum or you're having a bad day. We don't want to get you ruffled. You know, it always delivers. And, and we adults look at these games and think, you know, oh, no, these are monumental consequences, you know. 
uh, blood spurting, heads rolling, but actually he's back in the game in, 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 a, in, in a jiffy, you know, um, like in seconds. The child is, even if the game's over. So um, we don't need to have these punitive, drastic consequences to have monumental change. We need to have a game in, game on that's powerful, and we need to have a game, we need to have rules that are clear, and we need to evacuate the field of warnings, because warnings are actually relationship for negativity. It's, it, we think of warnings as compassionate, but actually they keep everybody off balance. When's a rule a rule? When does it count? Mom's having a good day, I get 10 warnings. Mom's having a bad day, I get two warnings. It, it, it keeps everything, uh, you know, when am I going to take rules seriously? And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, video games just have it absolute, you know? The line, it's like sports. The line is the line is the line. And the truth is some of the greatest plays in sports happen when it looks precariously close to out of bounds, but it's inbounds. That's the truth. So a child looks like they're going to yell, but they don't. Uh, Billy, yay. Elizabeth, yay. I love you. You were so tempted to yell at your sister and you didn't. That's that's so respectful. That's so you being loving and kind and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I want to credit that. But if the line is crossed, I want to go reset. I don't want to ever look the other way, ever. I want to call it as it is, but I also want to unplug me at that. The, the video game metaphors are growing and growing. I mean, even when you said reset, which is part of the terminology of nurtured heart, it reminds me of literally maybe I'm thinking um, back more of a pinball machine where if um, something has gone awry, you literally have to press reset and you just start over. So how does a kid do a reset? It sounds like a, an adult would kind of maybe turn around, walk away, take a breath compose themselves so do we yeah. in your approach do you tell the kid you need to reset or how, how does that work in a certain no style points no uh you know no judging what it looks like um it it really for me and and kind of my conveyance to adults because they're key to this approach you know um there are aspects of nurture heart we're teaching directly to kids um as experimental explorations, but um, the reset is really under our, under our, um, in our domain as adults. So uh, let me see if I could explain that because it's, it's splitting hairs a little bit. Um, So I, let's say a line is crossed, a child, um, doesn't follow directions or a child depends on your rules in your child. Um, what, what, give me an example of a common, you know, um, I'm thinking of ADHD kids. Now they do something impulsive, like, uh, knock something over or they, um, jump out of their chair they, in classroom when they're supposed to be sitting and listening. Exactly. Even or if they tease. Yeah. Even if they're doing um, under COVID, if they're doing a, a, an online class, they, they suddenly have an impulse to just get up from the screen and suddenly the teacher can't see them because they've like, decided to jump and go check on their dog. Right. And if that's a rule or if um, 
and uh, saying something like, uh, you know, uh, to disturb the group or, uh, you know, whatever the rule is, if, if the rule is broken even a little bit in this method, then I, as the adult, am going to say, I'm going to say, reset. Now, hold that aside for a second. Behind the scenes, me, as the adult, is geared up purposely and intentionally to wanting to build on successes in the truth of the moment. So in the next seconds to come, if the child is now not um, getting distracted or being distracting or interrupting or, um, or razzing or, you, you know, interfering in the way you describe, then I'm going to say thank you uh, Jeffrey, for not, for now not getting distracted. I see you back on the screen. Thank you for being present. That shows me your respectfulness. That said, if that's all I did, kids would get good at being bad so they could get praise when they come <laughs> back. It, so it's really imperative for the adult to really see that the bigger picture is I'm going to build inner well. So, so, the, so the reset completion is a judgment call, of course, you know, but I'm not going to hold kids hostage to a standard because that's not what I want. You know, I don't want to send kids, if it's home, in your home, I don't want to send kids off to another space. I don't want to send, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I don't want to explain anything. Kids know the rule they broke. And if they don't, they'll break the rule again to get re refinement of, of it. Because um, anything I say, if I say, Jeffrey, you just broke a rule because you're being annoying, I've already given relationship. I want to I really get good at unplugging. Uh, and the other side of it is I don't want to fall in the trap of saying, okay, Jeffrey, your reset's over now. Let's sit and talk and 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 figure this out. And you know, um, what could you be doing differently? And because Jeffrey's going to put two and two together, that they've gotten all of that vis-a-vis the original transgression. So I'm still falling in the trap of giving relationship at the wrong time. So I am playing hardball with the. Um, the faucet of relationship. I, I am, uh, I am, I am, I am changing washers if you, if I need to, so that it's not, it's not like a drip of, uh, of confusing linkage because kids study linkage. I, uh, these, these children, the more intense a child, oftentimes, so often, the smarter the child. And, and uh, you know, there, there had been, um, I'm not an educator, but there had been at least a buzz on the street that, um, you know, kids with pathology, I hope we get to talk about pathology labels, ADHD and more, um, you know, that they're academically uh, disinclined or they're academically hampered and 
And to me, that's not true because once you get this realignment and once you get inner wealth going, once you say as a parent to a teacher, I've been working with this approach and it's made a big difference. And oftentimes teachers will take up that cause. And, you know, this is the simple thing I did. It really is a simple approach when it comes down to it. Um, we've seen kids without being pushed gain so much ground academically. You know, the problem was that this kid believed in their, uh, you know, was pouring their intelligence into acting out. And, and now, you know, once they're free of that, they could, they could act out greatness. They, you know, it's, you know, it's their intelligence can go congruently to serve a, a greater cause. Let's talk a little about um, labels like ADHD for a minute. Um, I gather mm -hmm. that this is the type of behavior that Nurtured Heart is often used to deal with. Um, your website says what appears to be ADHD is often simply a habitual response by the child to his environment. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, because um, I'm very sensitive to hurting feelings and you know, I, I've gotten really good at not making the parent or the teacher or the treatment professional the enemy. They're all, everybody's trying as hard as they can with what they know. And uh, to me, the culprits aren't the, the parents or the kids. It's the, it's, the, um, um, it's the methods we have at our disposal. And you give, you, I've given, I've given, uh, I work with a group of uh, parents of first offenders for five years, you know, like, like the six week periods, you know, um, a thousand people over a period of years. And, and um, they turned out to be exquisite parents. They felt like, they felt like awful parents. They'd been accused of awful parenting and they turned out they, they were extraordinary parents when you give them the right tools. So I learned a valuable lesson. So, uh, you know, um, that statement that you read is not an anti-parenting um, or meant to demean anybody. Um, I, I think in intensity in this day and age is still um, thought of as the enemy. Um, you know, what do we do when we encounter an intense kid who's uh, not born, fortunately, using their intensity well? <laughs> you know, they're, they're using it poorly and they're being annoying. And, you know, they're, you know, if they're taking, you know, if the teacher, you know, says to the parent, you know, you better, you know, we got an issue. Clean up on aisle five, you know, um, you need to have an evaluation. You know, th most evaluators in, in psychology, psychiatry uh, are going to look at look at what's going on and um, and and construed in that um, terminology of impulsive, hyperactive, inattentive, you know, and, and before you know it, you got a kid who's diagnosed. Um, what I found in the first two years of formulating Nurtured Heart um, was that the vast majority of kids who had those, that symptomatology, that appearance of uh, a diagnosable condition, which of course diagnosable conditions are construed in our society as pathology. Um, and, uh, 
it, it, I just winced once I saw that the vast majority of these kids, and I'm talking 90 plus percent kids who came to my practice, were able to then go on, you know, if, if, if six weeks later I'd said to the parents, now do you want to tell me about what you were annoyed about six weeks ago? They could barely remember. They're so happy that this kid is now using their intensity well and in service of collaboration and cooperation and making good choices, the less, you know, they're, they're just, you know, um, what appeared to be symptoms were now non-symptom. That U of A study that I uh, sent you um, basically to me confirmed that premise. And that was merely a six week online nurture or class that we couldn't enforce. You know, we had no ability to say, you have to attend every last session and you have to read every last bit of reading material. Um, and you have to attend, you know, um, you, you have to listen to all the uh, audio material. You know, we, we had, you know, um, kind of a range of uh, usages of, of learning nurtured heart approach, but by and large, what we saw was people go from strongly symptomatic to a negligible level of symptomatic merely by an online class. You know, imagine if we had coaching. Imagine if each family, you know, had like a personal trainer kind of uh, 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 ushering them um, through the process. Um, it's so, so, even even that remote learning um, situation, we witnessed this um, environmental shift. If that's getting back to the you know the the, the uh, reflection, um, we witnessed um, a change. You know, environment is a, is a combination of. Uh, you know, it's it's like a tapestry. Of, it's not just changing the the wall hangings or the or the floor coverings. It's it's changing. You know the uh, relational uh, factors in in an environment. And I think, you know, if what I teach really mediates that and and creates a little healing around that. Um, it seems like our first roundups of evidence um, confirm that there's something to that. We, we're doing a lot of work with um, systems of care now, the New Jersey system of care, meaning kids who come through foster adoptive system, kids who are in out-of-home placements like residential treatment programs, kids who are in group homes, um, uh, all, all New Jersey has done a very encompassing um, thing where they've created um, almost 500 or more, maybe more trainers who then go out and are teaching this to parents, to workers, to line workers, to organizational leaders, to um, their building um, capacity. They are doing the coaching. Um, and to a great extent, we're seeing uh, a, a, a seismic shift in how outcomes in the uh, system of care and how kids who are in this compromised position, who some of them are, you know, they would never say this. Um, but, you know, in the old days, I would hear kids who are in 
some forms of treatment like that, you know, at the highest level of expense and the highest level of care, we're almost throwaway kids. Like the outcomes aren't good. And, and I spoke to a director of, um, of a, a system of care in, New, in Los Angeles once who said a third of all kids in that system at 18 uh, wind up in prison, uh, incarcerated, a third wind up homeless, and a third wind up with marginal existence. Not to say some kids don't emerge well, but the, the tail of the tape in the past has been uh, lackluster. And, and what we're seeing, and we're, we're hoping to get our evaluative, it's five years into it with New Jersey, we're now starting it with several other states, um, we're, we're waiting for a report from Rutgers, who's um, kind of the nucleus of this, um, where we have reason to believe we're going to see a very different outcome. And um, so it's not just the ADHD kids anymore. It's kids with um, lots of levels of trauma and lots of levels mm -hmm. of um, intensity and difficulty. Just to clarify, so... This whole system of care that's implementing Nurtured Heart in New Jersey throughout various types of institutions, is that correct? And this is yeah. part of a study at Rutgers, or it's a separate thing that the state is doing and Rutgers is observing it and studying it? Uh, Rutgers got a, a, a very large SAMHSA grant uh, five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, they've, they've since gotten supplemental because the grant ran out for, after four years. Um, they... Um, they are the hub of this uh, in concert with the system of care. They did this in alliance with the system of care and what the grant called for was a report at the end of four years, which the only reason we're waiting on it is because, you know, COVID threw a wrench in the works and um, there's just some delays in, um, but apparently it's, it's happening any day uh, or any month. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, you know, I will get that to you personally as soon as we have it. And if it's shareable, I will, um, certainly let you know it's shareable. Um, so if you want to share it, you can, um, you know, I'm as curious as anybody else, but you know, I hear, I hear uh, anecdotally that it's gone really, really well, and 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 they they have felt it's gone well enough, and others surrounding have heard it's well enough, going well enough that that the addictions programs in New Jersey have wanted in on it and created a, a you know. A, you know, dozens of trainers, and I, I do not know how that's going, but I have reason to believe from other addictions, applications of Nurture Art, that it's gone well. And uh, so um, I, I, am, I am curious, but I have every reason to believe that kids who have been um, affected by trauma in various levels of trauma, you know, high level of ACEs scores, are really uh, very amenable to uh, to nurtured heart approaches of act. It sounds like it, it is both being implemented much broader than in you know an, an individual therapist's office at this point, and also it's being studied, which is sort of the 
the gold standard. So I understand there is also some research that's been done by University of Arizona. Yes, um, that was the um, that was the study I referred to um, where we did uh, a recorded online version of Nurtured Heart Approach broken up into six week segments. Oh, okay. And along with that, we had one hour weekly uh, online Zoom meetings. And along with that, we had a little reading material, which is our parent workbook. Um, and we had a discussion forum. So there were those four components that went over four weeks. To me, the um, so we had a control group. Um, the, the, to me, the, the uh, exciting part was all of the people measured had, all the kids measured, had um, uh, a discernible ADHD levels of symptomatology. The control group got the intervention, but a delayed intervention. So they did not get to learn Nurtured Heart Approach for three or four months or it was it was in that realm um, while the first experimental group got the intervention the experimental group changed dramatically over that period of time at the level of significance for the science people on online now listening to this it was at the 0 0.001 level of significance 0 0.05 is considered significant that's considered highly significant the um <clears throat> Then the control group, which didn't change at all. So the fantasy that you'll read on some ADHD sites is time heals. Time did not change anything at all to any degree. Then the delayed intervention, the control group, got to learn nurtured heart approach in the same way. And they too had that dramatic change at the 0 0.001 level. So we have, um, I, I think it was a really well-constructed gold standard university study um, that at least proved that it's, uh, you know, there's something to maybe get excited about, but certainly something to study further. Something, uh, there may be something to this um, maybe novel or different way of approaching a child and, and uh, um, uh, working in concert with them. Uh, what I like about the approach is it's very simple. You don't need a little handbook, you know, like a dictionary. When my child refuses to eat, what should I do? Oh, that's page 246. <laughs> um, you know, or, or issues at bedtime. That's, um, that's chapters. Yeah, um, it, it it's really boils down to these three essential spheres that we're all different. So we're all going to do them and uh, slightly different. We're all going to inculcate them slightly different. We're all going to get them to its fullness at incrementally, you know, it, nobody has to be perfect, but it's based on three stands, you know, uh, resolves. You know, I'm resolved that I'm not going to give energy to negativity, energy, relationship, connectivity. I'm going to watch my kid carefully to see what they perceive, you know, and, and uh, apparently I didn't realize this. My, my kid sees that I give relationship, you know, in this cross wired kind of way. I'm going to I'm going to 
pull back on that as fully as I can. Um, the second stand is I'm resolved that I'm going to take advantage of all the moments when the problems aren't happening and when good choices are being made. And I'm, I'm going to go way beyond good job. And thank you. I'm going to go to the level of I'm going to see the beauty, you know, uh, in their character. I'm going to give them credit for the respectfulness, the caring, the thoughtfulness, the kindness. And then the third stand is uh, I'm going to get very resolved and clear about uh, what the rules are. And when a line's crossed, the line's crossed. And it's not monumental anymore because I'm not going to be punitive and drastic anymore. I'm just going to say reset. I'm going to unplug me. And when the cussing isn't happening, even though I see that I, in the past, I saw that as a big rule and the fur would fly. You know, now I'm just going to say reset. And when the cussing isn't happening, I am, you know, back to, you know, my mission of building, you know, because the truth is it could continue forever. And I can't control that child. The child knows they could break rules anytime they want to. That's the big secret. So I want to I want to dovetail now going forward with the truth of the moment and take advantage of what I can. It's simple. Okay. Yeah, no, thank you for that succinct description. Do you get pushback and opposition? Um, for example, people might say, well, if you tell kids they're great all the time, they'll just become spoiled little snowflakes or, you know, kids with ADHD yeah. need to take their drugs. They they need it or they will never be able to recover, so to speak. So how do you address that? Yeah, I could see where somebody would, uh, would believe that. I mean, uh, there was an article in Esquire five, six years ago, the drugging of the American boy and, um, and, and Esquire wanted to make me the online ADHD expert for a <laughs> month and take questions and, and, you know, sure. And I got a lot, of, a lot of pushback. I mean, some of the people may have worked for companies, um, but nevertheless, um, uh, you know, people's truth is somebody's truth for the time being. You know, they they have to see with their own eyes. I can imagine being a parent and 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 having reached my wit's end, and a doctor prescribes something that gives me the impression that everything's better, you know, but the truth is before the meds kick in or after they wear off, I'm back to square. The problems never went away. Mm-hmm. Problems were always there, but you know, there's been, there's, if you look at it that way, there's been no healing, you know, there's, there's just been a temporary pass on, um, you know, and w- at what cost, you know, mm-hmm. medications have side effects, not the same in every child. Maybe you're the exception and your kid has no side effect. I, I understand your concern, but if you get to see that intensity is actually a gift and intensity is the kid's fire hmm. and intensity is the source of their greatness and you start seeing that the growth in that realm, that inner wealth, and you start seeing the beauty of uh, that you start getting excited and I'm never going to be, you know, the uh, long smoke kind of person who says, oh, Billy, you're great. You know, remember, you're great, you know, because that has no teeth. You know, I, I, I'm, I am trying to I am trying to take the the exact qualities that parent cares about. That parent went to a doctor for an evaluation because they care about respect. 
they went because they care about responsibility. I am just trying to dovetail with that and say, here you are now, Billy, being respectful. You could have left your music on high volume and your sister is trying to do a homework and she could have been struggling and, and yelling from the next room. And you had you, whether she prompted you or you decided on your own, doesn't matter. You uh, collaborated. You cooperated. You showed your caring. That's loving kindness in action. That's you being respectful and responsible. Why wouldn't I say that? Because I'm, I'm you know, and here's, here's the other side of the answer to your question. It, it's, I, you know, my daughter was, you know, um, customer number one, you know, um, you know, to use the COVID analogy. She was, uh, she was, you know, for better or worse, the kid who got, uh, nurtured heart it came about when she was you know just just as she was um, being born into the world and um, uh, you know she will find her environments uh, where uh, people are acknowledging she will um, she's been this way for the longest time she's almost 30 now she she will um, she will uh, organically stay away from relationships that are based on negativity. She will move. There are environments that are rich, mineral rich, so to speak, that are, you know, um, caring and kind and congruently relational. And um, there are people to get involved with who are caring and kind and supportive. Um, so she's been clear, you know, I, I watched her in high school kind of shed some people relationship with people she loved because they showed themselves to be not, you know, living in alignment. And they um, and and, um, you know, so I feel like uh, the proof is in the pudding, you know, that those those, uh, you know, people say, well, that's not the real world, <laughs> you know, you know, they're not going to get that. Out, but they, but it's there. It's been waiting for us. That 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 congruence has always been. Uh, maybe you had to look more for it, you know, fifty years ago. But it it it's so much more visible and viable and uh, available now mm -hmm. than it ever was. So it's a great question. So we just have a couple more questions. Um, what is okay. the Children's Success Foundation as an entity? What's its goals and how does it do its work? Yeah, I, I you know, that um, right now it's been a, a kind of a storehouse in the center of, of nurtured heart approach. You know, it's been safeguarding the approach, trying to keep it in fidelity. You know, we've trained, I think, almost or more than 3,000 people. Um, over, you know, uh, however many years. Um, there are people every day out there now online, mostly, who are, who are training staff, who are training um, parent communities who are, you know, immersed in their world, wherever they are, uh, across the globe, and, and Nurtured Heart um, fans of flames of that. Um, we're having one of our certification trainings coming up uh, this coming week, it's upon us, you know, in the days to come. Um, but a Children's Success Foundation, 
maybe too late for this one, but there will be links to future trainings that are open to the public. We mostly get um, a healthy mix of practitioners. Um, uh, there are people from all over the world who are in the same boat, who are looking for answers, whether in parenting, education, um, or treatment. Uh, that's usually the mix we get. Um, different branches of education, you know, might be people working with autism, might be working <laughs> with uh, special education. Uh, people have taken this to their branches of, uh, of influence. It, it, it seems to have held up in different explorations. Uh, so um, uh, Children's Success Foundation has done that. I think it, it, it's very possible in the future. They're going to be doing, uh, they're gonna be a hub of research and uh, aligning with universities uh, in that regard. And I think they're gonna also be the hub of um, trying to cultivate diversity and um, and bring nurtured heart approach to un, un, you know um, places in need, underprivileged, underserved populations. We we take that very seriously, and I think also one thing that we care deeply about is is um, is aligning, collaborating with other uh, uh, approaches. So you know somebody's uh, we've come across many people who have a pretty astounding initiatives going in like uh, social emotional learning, for example, and, and um, some of them have on their own because of their own kids sometimes discovered, oh my God, we, we, we can up our game by using, utilizing nurtured heart approaches as a delivery system for the content we have. And, um, so, you know, hopefully we'll get to do a lot of studies about that, that, that uh, take into account that level of crosswalking with other approaches and, um, and, and uh, creating um, wonderful collaborations. So that's the Children's Success Foundation. Got it. So if I'm a parent and interested in this concept of nurtured heart approach, what should I do? Should I read your best-selling book or... Is there something on the website that can give me a class or, you know, how, or there therapists out there who will advertise themselves as a practitioner or how does that work? Yes. So, <laughs> um, uh, yes to it all. There, there are any number of books. I, I always, I, you know, I finished my first book and said, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. I'm never going to write another book. And however, there might be, 15 or more books now, um, gaps present themselves and I, I, you know, I feel compelled to deliver. So there, there's written materials out there. There are 24 seven, um, online classes, the same, um, uh, that same, essentially the same class that was part of the study is available in, in a, uh, uh, six hour format, um, for online consumers looking to learn this in that manner. Um, there are trainers all over the world who are can serve as coaches, uh, who are, are some of many of whom are listed on the uh, Children's Success Foundation site. Um, 
And there are videos, you know, some of which I know about and some of which other people have made uh, about the nurtured heart approach. Uh, I couldn't point to any in particular. Uh, we, we are forming a platform of, of uh, learning that will have a lot of free content soon. It's in the works. And uh, we, uh, we hope to have even uh, uh, beyond as much free content as we could offer. We hope to have some uh, classes that will be available for continuing ed credits mm -hmm. uh, for anybody who wants. And, and one of the things I care deeply about is um, I want to have a very large range of classes that, that feature, highlight, showcase people who have taken um, Nurtured Heart and applied it to uh, kids on the spectrum, kids in, with learning disabilities, kids with um, um, post-traumatic stress syndrome, et cetera, um, kids in education. Uh, so um, that's very meaningful to me. It's, it, it, some of it may be out there on the internet. Uh, I can't say I'm the best person to describe what's out there right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we want to systematize that as soon as possible. So um, thanks for asking that. And yeah. there, 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 there is the, for people who get excited about this and enamored with it and want to take it out, there is a very intense week-long journey uh, to almost become the approach and, and kind of have it be full tilt and also to gain access to all the teaching materials. Um, and that's uh, called the certification training intensive and that's gonna be available, um, you know, uh, in, on a regular basis by visiting that website. Thank you for um, joining us. I really appreciate your taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you. Our guest has been therapist, author, and trainer Howard Glasser. You can learn more about him and the Nurtured Heart Approach at his websites, www.howardglasser.com and www.childrenssuccessfoundation.com. I'm Miranda Spencer, and this has been Mad in the Family. Thank you for listening to the Mad in America podcast. Visit madinamerica.com for more news, views, and updates.